start record. And we'll go right into it. Titties. We all love them. Penises. Some love them too. But what happens when you put penises and titties together? The internet explodes and your wildest dreams come true. It's Futanari this week on Nothing Good. Hey guys. Hey. hey. I have a question. Yeah. I don't know how you guys are going to feel about this, but I think it's a pretty good idea. You want to record a podcast tonight? Maybe. We should do that. We spent a hot minute. Yeah. We should. Yeah. I think we should. I think we should do it right fucking now. I feel like we're all at this orgy anyway, and it's a little crowded, and I don't know about you guys, but my my uh, my ticket like you get at the cafeteria counter or the deli, I'm not up for a while, so we got time. <laughs> See, we have this table here. I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm on the other side of that. My ticket was called early, and I need a break. Yeah, like oh, my asshole is raw. Oh, you are okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. cool. It's always interesting to know that when you when you just start freestyling, where your friends would put we themselves in a know. human centipede. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. We just found out. Yeah. Well, listen, if I don't have to worry about anything going in my mouth, I'd rather be at the front of that centipede than the back. Mm, better to be the, the engine than the caboose. That's I right. Guess, right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I want to just really take a second and get out of this conversation. <laughs> nice yes. segue. You started it. <laughs> yeah, he didn't know it was going to go that yeah. way. Uh, you should have known. I, I, I should have known. I want to address the elephant in the room, and I wanted to, even though, you know, the best part of having no fucking advertisers is that we're not beholden to anybody to, for Nobody. any sort of schedule. But I do want to apologize to the, the the listeners that we do have that we haven't put out content in like a fucking month at least. Oh, no. No, no, no. And I no. feel like that. I think it's fair to at least say, hey, we appreciate you for coming back Thanks and for listening. sticking around. And fuck you. Yes, yes, that's the part I really want to talk about right there. <laughs> is that, uh, listen, and uh, first of all, I, I I believe I speak for all of us when I say that we are grateful. Anybody that spends even a minute to listen to us fucking just shoot shit out of our mouths all the time. That being said, I don't fucking owe you anything. How fucking to fuck you, okay? And you know what? I think fuck you and the horse you rode in on. The horse is not cool. It knows what it's done. And it's going to fucking do it again if we don't stop it. Did, did, did you guys just catch Noah went back to season one fuck you? Yeah. A little, bit. That? a little bit. Do yeah. people still ride in on horses? Some places. I don't know. I don't think they have podcasts in those places like Wyoming, which may or may not exist. I'm we, pretty sure it doesn't exist. It was never ratified. We I, should just do an episode of Wyoming. I recently, I recently, fucking liar. <laughs> I recently watched A Million Ways to Die in the West for the first time. Mm. And I'm pretty sure they rode in on all the horses. They didn't. Yeah. Charlie's theorem can ride in on anything she wants to. And I don't think anyone will say a fucking thing. No. But you know who's going to say a fucking thing? We are. We're going to say all kinds of fucking things. Because, gentlemen, we're back. And, boy, are we back with a vengeance. Because it's that time. You know, it, what? It, first of all, I just want to say, we, the show's been on, what, 14 months old, 15 months old, something in that vicinity? Mm-hmm. What it's a, a journey. What a journey we've gone on this. We've we've gone from uh, just Doc and I uh with eight people listening, uh, all yeah. the way through adding the two most wonderful gentlemen that we could add to the show. Thank you. All the way through 50 episodes, a couple thousand downloads, a live show, and now here we are at our second 
Halloween Havoc episode. You know, it's 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 kind of crazy since the last time we've all gotten together, some crazy shits happened. Jeff and I have celebrate are celebrating our first like our one year anniversaries on the show. Yes. Ah, that's right. Which is oh, yeah. which is pretty crazy. I will sure. drink to that, Jones. You know, just absolutely right. Cheers. And um, Jones, mm-hmm. I'm gonna take a minute here to to acknowledge that we're celebrating your 40th trip around the sun because since our last episode, you hit the big 4-0. Yeah, as did you. And I also hit the big 4 Yeah, we are now in a whole other stratosphere. We are in a stratosphere. Whole, we are in a whole different take. survey bracket. Here's how terrible of a friend I am. I thought you were both 39 this year. <laughs> I would have made far bigger deal for your birthdays had I known it was 40. So we'll just at some point in the next calendar year, I will overreact to you guys being 40. You uh, you were at the party. You I, were. I was. But it that, said 40 the on giant the four zero for Dave's banner just didn't you know register. What? That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Now you say it like that. Yeah. It's, but, it's nice that when you looked at the Death Star cake that you just did not even just just ignore the numbers. The and four all, zero. And all, it wasn't an exhaust port. That was the zero. In all due fairness, you had the Death Star cake kind of tucked into a cubby. And uh, I was doing what all of us do at a party, which was holding court far away from the actual action. And by the time I got over there, uh, the face and the area of the Death Star cake was the face, and I couldn't really do it. It's my fault, though. I'm not blaming anybody else. You I mean, it's sure as shit your fault. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I'm just yeah. saying that I, that's I, on I, you, brother. I, I would have overreacted a little bit more had I known that. As the only one of us that's not 40 yet, uh, it's still a big deal to me. And it was a big deal for Dave and I. And, and you know what? I appreciate you having the general energy to, to to say it now and it's okay i'm gonna fuck with you guys at some point in the year he just didn't know <laughs> i was like oh yeah they're 39 next year's gonna be crazy when they're 40 yeah no i'm just a terrible fucking crap. oh you got a lot going on yeah yeah, yeah right. it happens yeah uh you know speaking of a lot going on this pay-per-view had a lot going on oh my god what it a paper really so did. you know we, we've typically just you know ragged all over WCW for their pay-per-views. Justly. And then this one shows up. And I don't have a lot bad to say about it. This was an amazing card on this pay-per-view. On paper, every single match has a star in it. At least one. And you want to watch it. But in as sure as to quote uh, Paula Cole, uh, as soon as, or whoever says things the song, uh, as sure as the sun goes around the moon, and all that other shit. WCW will find a way to WCW. Are you dropping like Paula Cole? Yeah, I think that's what I was going for. The fuck? Sometimes the sun goes round the moon. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you got to save the best for last, which I hope is eventually we, we will review one good WCW pay-per-view before we explode. From beginning to end good. From beginning to end good. Yeah, we've talked about it. It might be a make, fucking while. Make, yeah. <laughs> make sure you don't go another four bars. We're going to have to pay for that shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. keep, keep it. Yeah, it's, we don't have that kind of funds. No, no. But for the show. Not yet. On paper, the show looks incredible, you know? Jeff's got the uh, got the Wikipedia readout of, of the match card there, and on paper you're like, fuck yeah. We got a little bit of, uh, we got uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. We got Eddie Guerrero. We got Arn Anderson. Uh, we got all kinds of shit floating around in there. You have Rey Mysterio when he was still Rey Mysterio Jr. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when he was like, right, it's like before someone, yeah, like back in the day of Microsoft Paint, when you wanted to make an image bigger, you would just stretch that shit. It would be disproportionate. <laughs> this was the original Rey Mysterio image before they just fucking stretched that you thing know, widthwise. Good, good for him for not having tattoos at this point in time, because there's no way that would have aged well. Mm. No. No. No, the roids plus the tattoos are yeah. not often a good yeah, no. not a great look. No, but we have on paper, and in some, in, in very WCW fashion, the show starts 
in a hell of a way. But by the time you get to the main event, with all of the shenanigans that a WCW pay-per-view in the 90s will bring, you just you don't have like the energy for life anymore, no. much less what they're going to bring to you. So I'm excited to get into it. But before we do, gentlemen, it's been a while, but what are we drinking? Well, uh, I will tell you what I'm drinking. Uh, it's from the uh, Old Thunder Brewing Company. Mm-hmm. It's called Almost Everything, and it's pretty goddamn tasty. I'm Very enjoying nice. it. Very nice. It is quite good. I am also drinking the same thing, thanks to Doc. Yep. Uh, I will uh, go with the third on that and say I'm also drinking almost everything, which, you know, going back to the orgy is what I've been doing. So it's a really appropriate, yeah. really appropriate drink. That's fucking tasty. Yeah. Uh, I am not. I'm going to break the chain. I am drinking a Winston India Pale Ale from the Mindful Brewing Company. 7.6 from out of, I don't even know. Are they local? Yeah. yeah. Can, right down the street. Oh, shit. That is the place window. down the street. Yeah, you yeah. can actually see their building <laughs> from, from the outside window. the window. Then right on now. my way home, after two of these, I will drive by and sexually harass the building. And there just kind of like keep it in there. So this, As is for, you should. this is for you, Mindful Brewing. This is for you. So there's are two local breweries, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, so a quick uh, word about the state of wrestling in 1996. Now, when we last left off with Halloween Havoc 95, we Did were... Did we last leave off, or is it still somewhere going the, on? I oh, it's that, still playing somewhere. I thought that's the show we're recording yeah. right now. <laughs> if you close your eyes and listen on a cold, dark, wintry night. The dog will bark. It's the dogs of war. The dogs of WCW war. But when we last left off uh, from Halloween Havoc 95, we were still pre-NWO. Uh, wrestling was in a very low period. Hogan, The Hogan and WCW experiment seemed to not be going very well. And the last shot we had of, was Hulk Hogan being gang raped by the giant and a mummy. Uh, and somehow that wins you the WCW championship. And we go off the air. Well, lo and behold... What a difference a year will make for a wrestling company because the New World Order comes out and is the hottest thing the wrestling business has seen since Hulkamania. And now we're st- we're not even at the peak of the NWO. We're still in the swell. We're still in the buildup. And it's going to start spilling over to all avenues of re- the wrestling business. So wrestling is crazy. People are jumping ship from the WWF left and right. Hall, Nash, DiBiase, fucking <laughs> Virgil. Sean Waltman. Sean Waltman. I feel like anytime something starts to overflow, Sean Waltman's there. <laughs> He'll find work. He will. He'll, He'll find a way. Yeah, he will. But this time is also interesting, too, because 95 WCW was a lot of the mainstays from early 90s. People still had jobs somehow. Mark Merrow hadn't fucking quit yet. Thank God he's gone now. But now Bischoff, in his chance to try to build a wrestling company, has gone out and recruited stars from all over the world who were unknowns for now. We're talking about Dean Malenko. Conan, Rey Mysterio, Chris Jericho, and many more are going to show up and mixed in with the star of the yesteryears. So uh, this is going to be an interesting show. So, Yeah, and you mentioned it. You know, it was the beginning of the NWO, take- NWO TakeOver. There were only a few months after Bash at the Beach when, you know, they made their official invasion yeah. uh, with Hogan as the third man. And so it, it really started the peak of the Monday Night Wars. I mean, myself who was a, a diehard WWF guy, started switching the channel oh, yeah. and flipping back and forth. This was it. Uh, and and you started to see that a lot in wrestling fan base it across was, the board. It was really cool as a kid to watch. You know, WCW at this point is running on all, all cylinder, full cylinders. They're rolling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is obviously before NWO becomes NWO Lite, uh, which, you know, that's a conversation for another time, maybe later on tonight. But, you know, I always use the term like you know, the talk of the lunch table. But 
at this stage, you know, Monday morning or Monday afternoon, you're talking to your, your friends in class or during recess about, man, you, you see this, you see that, the pay-per-view, and then Tuesday was even a bigger deal. You see what happened on Raw or Nitro. Yeah. You know, WCW finally found its stride. It stopped being like a, a number two, maybe, <laughs> to like, it's a fucking number one. And for a long time. It was, it was interesting because we are in the beginning of that 83 weeks that we hear. 83 consecutive weeks, Nitro beats Raw in the ratings and starts to turn the tide of the wrestling war. Uh, but in exact, and even though at this time you can see undisputably Nitro is number one and would be for a while, they still found a way to WCW it up. Which proves, As they do. And I'm going to say this again at the end of this episode, but this whole show proves to me that WCW was the number one wrestling organization in the world in spite of itself. Because if it was just how well the show was put together or the quality of stories they were trying to tell, this wouldn't have made it off the fucking ground. It was all over the place. You had missed time and you had weird camera shots. I mean, there's promos where people in the promo aren't even in the fucking camera shot. <laughs> so WCW, WCW, but wrestling was so hot and NWO Angle was such a great fucking idea and well executed in its own little microgasm that... Uh, that WCW was able to succeed despite the fact that it had no business doing so. Yeah, you know, you, you had so many personalities at that point in time that it was it was really difficult to kind of wrangle, really difficult to wrangle a lot of those uh, a lot of those characters in at that point because you had so many major established wrestlers that had jumped ship from WWF at that point, and um, you know they were running the show. You know, they were they they had so much uh, input into what was happening. You couldn't really control that. You just had to kind of let it go. And, you know, like for a while, it it just dominated everything. But then it got to a point where it was just almost too much. There was a lot of there was too much of a lot of things. Um, Well, it's interesting, too, because like even watching this pay-per-view, there are a lot of elements of it that is a WCW pay-per-view. But there are a lot of elements about it, too, that aren't not talking necessarily about camera angles or things, but like matches and pacing and characters and because you know you had some wrestlers that were very established wcw guys and you know um then you had the wwf guys that were coming in you know you you had that juxtaposition of north versus south right yeah there's always going to be some friction to that well you know and then just like that you're also going to slather a whole heaping of dusty roads on commentary all over this fucking show <laughs> which makes sure that it's grounded firmly baby in the most WCW of WCW that you can ever WCW. No way you can talk about Dusty Roads and not do your Dusty Roads. You have to. Yeah, Ladies and like, gentlemen, no you way. don't even understand what Dust I'm talking about no here. No way you can't. We're talking about NWO and Hollywood Hulk Hogan. That's a man's got to take yeah. a stand here for the WCW. Ric Flair coming down. He's the nature boy. Jeff Jarrett. How is he doing it? I don't know, baby. And then he just yells random half words. He's like, no. You know what I'm talking about? Oh. And then and then Trudy's like, low? He's like, low, baby. Yeah. Man, just birthed past me here. Everyone would know him, man. It's like, oh, God, Dusty. I just, it's like if it's a fucking drink, I would drink it every day. I, I apologize if this is a broken record, but I feel like last, the first time we talked about Dusty Rhodes on the show, I said this, but I'm going to say it again. It bears repeating. I did not watch Dusty Rhodes growing up outside of little bits and pieces from the WWF, which was not Dusty Rhodes. Nope. No. I, my real Dusty Rhodes introduction was WCW Saturday Night mm-hmm. when he was commentating. And I thought the motherfucker was hilarious when I was a kid. 
And I, you know, as you get older, you watch his old shit on YouTube. You're like, this motherfucker was over. Mm-hmm. Like Rover, you know. But the way he talks, the way he announced, I can listen to Dusty Rose talk about anything. I love his promos. His promos when in, in his prime were for something else entirely. They were second to none. But to listen to him for like two hours on this show with fucking Bobby Heenan, a most likely intoxicated Bobby Heenan, and Tony Schiavone just trying to not be annoyed, is like it's fucking fantastic. I believe uh, at some point, I have to go back, and I believe it was either during Harlem Heat and the Outsiders or Hogan and uh, Savage that... Actually, no, I'm going to tell you, it was absolutely, there was a near fall on one of those matches, and I think Heenan meant to say, we are so close, guys. Uh, but I think he says, we are so drunk, guys. <laughs> i got to go back and find a clip on it. He like, literally says it. So I hope so. Him. But let's get let's get this thing started. Yes. Let's yes. get into it. And what of a hell of an opening match. And, here, and here's the thing, too. We're, we're going to talk all night here and there about WCW theme songs. Either they're slapping... Or they're fucking trash. And all half of the Cruiserweight songs, all of the Cruiserweight songs minus Eddie Guerrero, all ha- sounded the damn same. Like, plucky strings, plucky strings, plucky strings, plucky strings. So I know that song, and I'm hearing it, and I'm like, who's coming out? But to know that we open with, I swear to God, the same song, Dean Malenko versus the WCW Cruiserweight champion, Rey Mysterio. What the fuck? That is, this was like a treat. This is a fucking. <sighs> Which was the was this the longest match on the card? Just about potentially. I think it, it was. Didn't feel, certain matches felt longer. It was, oh, it was five yeah. seconds shorter than the Hogan match. Yeah, you not know, counting the promo at the end. Obviously. So, so you know, you guys are have always been deeper wrestling fans than I have. You know, I mean, I've, I'm I'm a couple fingers, and you guys are are elbow deep into the wrestling. So. You know, I have periods of time where I was had been very into wrestling and periods of time where maybe I, I was just kind of lightly into wrestling. And around this time was when I was lightly into wrestling. But my brother came to me and said, listen, you got to watch WCW Monday Nitro because there's this fucking guy and he's like this five foot tall luchador wrestler and he just spins and flips and jumps and that's how I got introduced to Ray Mysterio Jr. And, you know, you watch Ray today and there's still elements of, of what Ray has always been, Mm -hmm. but what he's put his body through and what he goes, what he's been through physically in his life, he is just a piece of what he had been going to see 21 year old Ray Mysterio Jr. Against Dean Malenko was just the fucking, I loved it. I mean, you guys at their peak. Ray has yeah. had a couple of peaks. <clears throat> this was during his first peak. Mm-hmm. Oh man, fucker hadn't even peaked yet. No, no, no he's, he's yeah. on his way up. Even, yeah, yeah. And and he, he was only in WCW for a few months at this yeah. point. Twenty-one years old. Twenty-one year old. Ray Mysterio, and they, of course they dropped this in the in the commentary. Already seven years of pro. Yeah, it's a hell of a thing, isn't yeah. it? Right. It's a hell of a thing. Jesus Christ, yeah. man. Uh, so on paper, there's some matches that on paper you look at them and you say, "Oh, that'll be pretty good," and then the match is really good. And then somebody you look at like, oh, that's going to be really good. And it fucking sucks. Then sometimes you see a match. Oh, this is going to be a fucking barn burner. And it's a fucking barn burner. It is. It's diverse, yeah. I'm, the whole fucking show is filled with fucking champions. The whole show. Yeah. Every last fucking, with the exception of. The tag. No, no. no well, pretty much everybody's a fucking sh- like champion yeah. on this show, right? Well, or will ta- be a except, champion. Well, except for the tag match with the horsemen and. Uh... Ben Wallace heavyweight champion. Yeah, 
What's that? Benoit was heavyweight champion. Well, I mean, had been. Yes, yeah, so I mean, like, I mean, or future champion. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so right, but, yeah. but, so, you know, this is how good this match is. This match is a fucking five star match. It I don't give a fuck what incredible. Dave Meltzer says. Uh, so, yeah, my wife sat down and watched the show with me, with the, the, at least the match with me, rather. And for her being, you know, not a wrestling fan, hates wrestling, thinks it's funny, thinks it's stupid, uh, she was edge of her seats by the end of the match. Uh, she was so, like, she'd never seen a luchador match before, a cruiserweight mm-hmm. match before, ever. Uh, and, and for her to turn to me and go, that was amazing. Like, that's which, that's how you get new fans, you know. So Eric Bischoff, was in, he was ingenious to, like, start so many shows with stuff that many of us had never seen before. Most of us had never seen before oh, in the United sure. States, up, at least up north, had never fucking seen. Uh, it, it was just, the match itself was spectacular. Dean Malenko and Rey Mysterio, who had been quite famous, actually, outside of, you know, nat- the national spotlight, you know, in Japan and Mexico and ECW, they made a name for themselves. But to watch them tear it down on one of the, the basically, WCW's biggest show of the fucking year, uh, being Halloween Havoc, uh, is a testament to how much they trusted them. You know, and there was like, what, a little bit of a storyline, like the mask was at stake or something. Or, or he had his, he well, stole, yeah, his, he mask. Had stole mask. his mask before. Yeah. But none of that mattered because the match stood on its own. It could have been, it could have been for nothing, you know, just a, just a one-on-one matchup. It yeah, because they resolved the whole mask thing within about the first six minutes of the match. Yeah, you know, that that was pretty much, pretty much kind of done. Malenko powders out and Ray grabs the mask and puts it over top of his other mask. It's quite clever, yeah. Well, and, and you had such, it was so, it was so smart. So first off, I mean, the cruiserweights in WCW, I think are my favorite thing about WCW. Oh, so many, shadow without, yeah. They, I think those matches stole almost every show that, that they were on. But you have two guys that are going to this match that have such different styles. You know, Ray is at the pinnacle of being a high flyer. And, you know, Malenko is the man of a thousand holds. Mm -hmm. And you've got Ray's quick style. You've got Malenko slowing it down. You've got, you know, Malenko grappling and kind of trying to keep Ray on the ground. Mm -hmm. You've got Ray doing spins I didn't even think a human can do. You know, (laughs) you forget, like, the crazy shit that man did. Laws of physics did not obey Rey Mysterio. On a human body, you can't spin around somebody like he did. Mm -hmm. But he did it all the time. It was just it was just insanity. It was insane. Yeah, no. Um, first of all, I was it took me seeing this match again to realize that even Ray today, with all of his injuries and stuff, the thing that I could most say if someone's like describe Ray Mysterio in one sentence, I would say Ray Mysterio is always in motion. Like even when he's selling, yeah, he doesn't slow moving. down. Never slows down. He, he's always moving. Even when he when you catch him and you knock his ass out, he moves. You know what I mean? Like he's he's like it's 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 fluid. Um, this match was fucking like butter, like everything they did, even the shit that by a standard watching it back, you're like, oh, that might've been a little sloppy. It was still smoother than any other fucking thing on this show. Uh, Dean Malenko, first of all, I have a note here. It's a bit of a joke. Uh, good for Dean Malenko to get to be a big guy for exactly one time in his career. Because <laughs> yeah. he did, he played the heavy muscle. Um, and, but I been the commentators, everyone for the start of this fucking show, was ready to go. Bobby Heenan even putting over the fact that Dean Malenko isn't like, people don't like him, but that's not because he cheats. He doesn't cheat. He's just mean as shit. Yeah. And that's why people don't like Dean Malenko. It's like, oh yeah, it's a weird heel. Now he would, and also laying groundwork, he would be a baby face in a few months in WCW because you're going to stick him with the horse and make him US champion, etc. But this, for as good as Dean Malenko was, and he was excellent, and I think he was the right call to go over in this match, 
my God, it's Prey Mysterio's show. It's his world. Everyone else is just living in it. And the fact that Dean was laying some serious fucking heat on that and just break. And then whenever Ray would pop out with a move, you're like, ah, it's like a cold drink of water. Mm-hmm. Like, there you go, fucking Rey Mysterio. Yeah, and he came across as a great heel, even though Dean Malenko over the years has very little personality. Very little. Yeah. But, but he came across as a good heel. In that circumstance against Rey Mysterio, just because Rey Mysterio is so fast. And for as long as the match was, it felt like it was a fast match yeah. because of the pacing. And and even though they have conflicting styles, I mean, it worked really well. They did the dance together. I mean, it was a great, a great match. Well, on a, on a previous episode of this of this show, we talked about, as, as we typically tend to, Bret Hart. I mean, I feel like you can't really... I was going to fucking bring him up. But you just did. I, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's always right here in my not, heart. You, you can't, you can't not do a wrestling episode and just not mention Bret Hart. But we were talking about that match. It was the last episode we did when he was uh, the SummerSlam match against the uh, British Bulldog, yeah. and where we said watching that match is how wrestling is now. Like people watch that and realize that like this is where yeah. wrestling has to go now. And I felt that way watching this match between Dean Malenko and Rey Mysterio because, you know, there's so many big guys in WCW. Oh, I mean, yeah, these guys are huge, huge yep. humans. Um, and you watch these two, and I think this match is closest to anything we're going to see today yeah. than any other matches were on that pay-per-view. I think that and uh, I think it was the next match, too. I think those are the two because yeah. of, the, of the work rate and the... And, what I also like about it too is this wasn't a match for flipping shit for flipping sake. They told a story. Uh, Dean wants the title, and he was willing to, to psychologically steal Ray's mask and cut corners and grind this man to a pulp to get it. And Ray, who, and I think there's also a, speaking of psychology, a psychological aspect for Mysterio that he looks like a child in his era. He looks like a kid. So you naturally, and nobody heartless enough to boo the kid when he's getting <laughs> the, the shit out of a guy who, Dean Malenko's That's not fair. barely out of his 20s, or he's still in his 20s, and he's still, he looks 40 in his yes. best. Yeah. Facially, so this 40-year-old yeah, man is beating this teenager. Yeah, I know. Just beating on this teenager, and you're just like, get him, kid. So it's it's like blends in there, but the idea that all of the shit is happening, but it had a reason, and they were selling. And they would, I mean, the, I have notes like the snap mares in this match looked fucking good. And they hit like the good, I love a good kitchen sink cut off. And they, it was mm-hmm. just, mm-hmm. like, it, and laying it in there. Ah, a pay per view full of this type of match would not work because you get burned out and you get tired of it. Yeah, it's opening too, it's the too WCW, quick, yeah. that's what w, Bischoff did in the era. And opening with this kind of shit, take my money on it. Smart. Day. There were two, count them, two sleeper holds in this match. There were. Yeah. And I was so excited about that. <laughs> Like motherfucker, slow it right the fuck down. Grinding. Damn, how fucking vicious was that? Was that top rope power bomb? Oh, oh man, the four oh, passes that yeah. power bomb off. The there's rope two bad. There's there's two power bombs on this show that are fucking just brutal and abysmal. One for in this match, and the other, which I'm going to show them world's most restraint later and not mention as much as I possibly can. But both both power bombs in this show are fucking absolutely. Just head whipping back, brutal shit. But that was that, I didn't. I was like, how can that not be the finish? And thankfully, it was. <laughs> well, so like the thing that I thought was interesting about this match too is that there were probably four times where you could have ended it. Oh yeah, even mm-hmm. should have probably and probably should have, yeah. but they but they didn't. They yeah, just keep going. Go. And I just thought that was great because I, you, I think, as the viewer too, you just you wanted it to keep going. Like you wanted a twenty minute match between these two. Mm. You didn't want it to just end. 
you know, unceremoniously, even though any of the points they could have would have still been a, 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 a very perfect finish to the match. But I like that they just kept going. It just, it really added to it. I think it's excellent. And uh, just to give you um, my little thing, uh, before I get to my rating, it's not, it's not it. that little. No, hey, it does. It's it's not the length. It's, it's, it's the width. It's the width. <laughs> yeah, that's it is. that's what gets you. Uh, I love the first match on a WCW pay per view. Always makes me reminded that I love Bobby Heenan's recaps at the end of a match. <laughs> like he's like, you do this thing. It's a flippy thing. Oh One, two, God. three. We've got a new cruiserweight so, champion. Like, it's so specific. They're so phoned the in, but not. But they are. Yeah. And then he and he hit him with the thing, and then he and he hooked him, and it's and then it's over. My. One, two, three, we got it. And he like he, he still puts the match over, but in the most phoned in way possible to do it. One of one of my favorite things that Heenan had said, and I made a note of it here because I just thought it was great, is they're talking about Ray's, you know, being an international wrestler at this point. You know, he's working in Mexico, he's working in Japan, and he's traveling, and he's you know the light heavyweight champion and or the cruiserweight champion, and you know he's like he's so tired. Look, he can't even grow hair. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Uh, but <laughs> I just said, I just said, thank you. Barn burner of a match, indeed. Uh, my rating is one thousand and four point five holds out of one thousand. Jericho's pissed at you for that. Uh, we're gonna get cheeky in that shit a little bit later. Um, uh, backstage, Stagger Lee Marshall is backstage with Jeff fucking Jarrett, and all I'm bringing this up is how do we keep covering Jeff Jarrett matches? He, I don't know. He just keeps getting in there. He just sneaks in. As we record this podcast. Here in November of 2022, Jeff Jarrett in 2022 has worked for AAA, WWE, uh, AEW, and fucking what else? Ric Flair's last match? Yep. All kinds of Jim Crockett promotions. He's probably the only wrestler in history to work for Jim Crockett promotions, AEW, and WWE in the same calendar year. He's fucking everywhere. He's shoveling a fucking driveway across the street. It's a work (laughs) ethic. Third generation shoveler. Oh boy! Yeah, he, I, you know what? Uh, I, I only wrote one thing about it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the promo. I no. thought it was a great fucking promo by Jeff Jarrett. Showed okay. a lot of fucking fire. He's both being a babyface and a heel mm-hmm. in it because the Horsemen are still heels. Yeah, and, and he's, he's trying heel. his damnedest to get in the Horsemen. NWO wants him. He doesn't want him there. No. Uh, so he's selling it. Uh, true. We actually, I don't know if anyone here besides Doc, you listen to Jeff Jarrett's podcast. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and he talks about how he was in the Horsemen, and uh, and everyone gives him a hard time about yeah, being yeah. the Horsemen. But he was because the horsemen at this time were also plagued with injuries. Mm-hmm. So you actually had five, yeah. four horsemen yeah, they were during this guys, era, yeah, uh, which is interesting. But um, they're going to cut a promo, and basically it's supposed to be Flair and a Giant. Flair's hurt. He's the U.S. champion. Giant has stolen the U.S. championship, and Jarrett's going to get it back in our match later. But now, guys, we fucking did it. We made it to the point where not only do we get a Rey Mysterio match... We get an Eddie Guerrero match finally in a fucking podcast. Ooh, let back me tell to you. back. Look, you know what's man? Let me tell you something. Almost goddamn every match is filled with a heavyweight champion or soon to be heavyweight champion. At it's fucking one. amazing At to least me. One. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing yep. if you think about it. DD fucking P and Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero is such a big fucking deal. Eventually, and he's a big deal. Then in '96, he was a big deal. But to become Eddie Guerrero. He hadn't got to that he, he, level It wasn't Eddie yet. Give he me the LWO Eddie Guerrero, when, man. Oh, when he's fucking dun, just dun, oozing dun, anger. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, oh, just pissed. So fucking gush. Which, which is why I'm going to say this. I'm going to look right in your fucking eyes as I say this. Uh, you mean a Diamond Dallas Page match? Oh. I mean, yeah. Yeah, we've covered a DDP match on the show before on the show that will never end. And it's still currently recording <laughs> in the archives. But 
Yeah, we were pissed when we were doing earlier WCW knowing that Eddie was on the pre-show and guys were on the undercards of these things. And now he's on the main card. And let's not kid ourselves. Let's just call Spade a Spade. They're fighting over a fucking ring that was won at a battle royal that they don't even know where the ring is, but someone has the ring. Who gives a shit? The match, these two guys are so good that you don't give a fuck about the shitty storyline because you know you're about to see DDP, who is a classic overachiever in every possible way and one of the best wrestlers who ever have lived and Eddie Guerrero fucking take my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the the battle for the ring. And and I actually had to like stop the pay-per-view and then take like a 30-minute break to do research about what the fuck the ring was. Yeah. Um because all he said it's the battle for the ring. Who has the ring? Where is the ring? <laughs> and and like the entire commentary during the match is basically that. Just, yes. Yeah. Who's on first? Where's the ring? Yeah. It was amazing. So we also got to the point where, uh, as you notice, anyone watching this on the WWE Network, that uh, this is the show, this is the match on the show that has been heavily edited for multiple reasons. Uh, DDP's music was very, very, very copyright. <laughs> I love that song. It's so good. It's so good, but, and it's so WCW. But then, like you know, immediately as soon as they purchased WCW, the WWE's lawyers are like, "Yeah, if there's anything we're fucking hitting the mute button on. It's the not Nirvana song." I have a serious question. Yeah. For the four, the three of you guys, myself included, the four of us, your favorite, I'm talking no joke, no bullshit, favorite WCW theme song of all time. Ever. It doesn't matter what year, what era, favorite ever. No judgment. Unless it's American Males. I will fucking no, judge no. the shit out of you. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give you a three, two, one, just because it's the easiest thing. Three is I love Savage's theme in WCW with the electric guitar. The like it wails in because it's just as fucking wacky as Macho Man is and it's excellent I would go number two um, because it's the king of all knockoffs it's the only song that's more knocked off than the DDP Nirvana song is Jericho's Pearl Jam song yeah it's a good song Jericho yeah that is not his song in this pay-per-view no 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 we're gonna talk about that but number one is Grindhouse man the NWO theme it is such a fucking vibe. When you hit it, it's like, oh shit. It's and you know that if uh, and I don't care who it is, it could have been Hulk Hogan, could have been Kurt Henning, it could have been Masahiro Chono. Whenever that song comes out, you know it's gonna take someone ninety minutes to get from the back way <laughs> through the front and it's gonna have looped twice the down and it's and oh that's my shit right there. Mac all time favorite. I mean he's he's taking a little bit of the uh, the steam out of my engine on that one, but I mean it's absolutely the end. NWO theme song but see I also I I I, you know because I know it more from his time in WWE but I fucking love what Harlem Heat went with Booker T's music that's iconic it's so fucking good it's a really good song I had forgotten that it was Harlem Heat's song Mm -hmm. before you know Booker T just kind of had it solo so I'm just gonna go and throw that one out there too for me, it's also NWO. And maybe maybe, it, maybe it's because I was a big NWO guy, but also because you hear it eight times in every <laughs> WCW show, <laughs> so it's just fucking burned in there. Uh, so it's like, yep, yeah, yeah, that's what I got to. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna dial back one second. I'm sorry to this table, to some of our listeners. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna throw Goldberg's song out there too. It's that's a banger okay, song. Just, just this, the, it's, you could, the, the, the listen, drums and somebody's career. That's why I'm sorry. Yeah. So um, he didn't make that song, and we'll, so we'll allow you to do it. Um, fun thing: Has anyone ever listened to the album "Welcome to Jamrock" from Damian Marley? 
yeah. he remixes Goldberg's song as the opening song on that fucking album, oh, and really? it still gets you jazzed up. Like it's that's a good what song. I see. It's excellent. Yeah. So yeah, for, for sure, it's awesome. Yeah, he's not by Every any means. You go to the club There's, and spear some motherfuckers. Oh yeah. Mm. Uh, Doc, come on, man! Oh, you, you, you set us up just so you can well, say this. I was what is your favorite? To, uh, and it goes totally without saying. Uh, Arn Anderson's. <gasps> you it, fucking serious? I mean, look, look no, no shame. I, uh, to, uh, yeah. I, I, I have it all caps in my fucking. That's about it. Oh, I don't like anything about Arn Anderson, including his music. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't like anything about Arn Anderson. That's, I never did. You bite you're, your fucking you're tongue. Son of I, a I bitch. never liked the Four Horsemen, and I never oh, liked Arn Anderson. No wonder you like the end of the You know, it's the fucking prettiest. I, I, you don't. You don't know either. good wrestling when you see it. Care. You he don't likes Brett. He likes. I. I don't. I've never. And let me just say this. Is, I'm gonna like, kind of like dissect your brain eventually here, Vandergrift. I've never met a human being who loves Brett Hart, but doesn't like or love Arn Anderson. It's because he's I, never watched any of his old shit. That's why. That is why. Like, Dude was on a. He was so good when he was TV champion. That was like in a whole new world. But he has. In my, first of all, he's the inventor of Spinebuster, which is incredible. But he has my all-time favorite DDT in the history of the wrestling bit. He does this fucking thing where he th- goes to throw a punch and they duck and it just. It's like it's like it's like almost like when it, docking is perfect, right? <laughs> it's like lines up beautifully and then it drops. It's the most incredible thing. <laughs> But you know what? It's I don't take that as you're a piece of shit because normally anyone else came in here and said that I'd I didn't say he's shit. a bad wrestler. No, I just said I don't like. I him. take that as a challenge. That's hundred percent a, a challenge. Challenge accepted. Okay. Because look, and I'm gonna be real, real with you, Chief. All right, oh, Arn Anderson. Heavy eye contact. Arn fucking Arn Anderson is one of the best orators in wrestling history, and I don't. And like most of us, like you know, we didn't watch a lot of like Jim Crockett shit. We were that was no. not our region. We were too young. You go back and watch that shit. Dude was so good. Like he was he so good. fucking good. Not a fan. And he will sell you on it. You're gonna go. Yeah, I actually I, have. You're gonna have a real respect for this man. All right, all right, we'll because see. his promos alone back in the '80s were fucking money. When we talk about Halloween Havoc '97, we'll talk about it. Oh, oh no, man, he's so, gone. Oh, man. <laughs> he's done by then. I, yeah, he's done by then. I wish we were like visually recording this because I want the people in our audience to know how Herb Jones entire like complexion changed when the energy in this room changed Ander- when when jeff vandergriff said i thought you just called me jeff anderson i was basically <laughs> that point that's where i am when, when jeff said that herb went from being like i'm i'm like happy and everything to like you motherfucker no, he like just surprised he hit you, you. Like the he hit you so with that he hit you with a i'm sorry what did you say it's like, hit, drop that no, dude, when the guitar riff hits, you oh, just it's iconic. it takes you to the eighties. And there's certain songs that are perfect to come out of like they do it here. They did it last show too. Though when you're coming out of a batch stage segment and the music starts while you're still in another shot, that I love it. Like that's it. And then that big the the crane shot, the crane shot down, yeah, and then there's Arn. Arn Anderson is so fucking awesome. We're cutting ahead, I know, but we're going to go back we to We really it. should wait to talk about this when we go Anderson, to the match, but it's too late now. Ve- he wears we're a denim it. vest, and nobody has the fucking balls to tell him nope. not to. Except for Sid. Nope. Sid in <laughs> a pair of scissors, apparently. Yep. Ah. But let's talk about, first of all. Yeah, DDP Guerrero. Yeah. Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. We didn't know how good we had it. As, and I don't think anyone knew how good we had it through the entirety of his life and his career. But like even then, now, with still, he hadn't come up with the LWO. He wasn't at the lie, cheat, steal shit yet. He was still plucky, 
from El Paso Babyface Eddie Guerrero, and he was still just so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was excellent. And DDP, talk about someone with somebody with something to prove. There was a lot of hair in this match. There's a lot of hair. <laughs> There's some shot. mullet action. Yeah. Just, just the mullet like quota for this pay per view was met with these two coming into the ring. Like the hair in this match. Take DDP or Eddie Guerrero out of this era, and look, and you say that gentleman has a serious cassette tape collection. <laughs> like that's the kind of look that they have. <laughs> the mustache and the and the just destroyed from perms hair. But this match is excellent. This match is excellent and really good, and I love it. A, a long while ago, I read a quote real quick. I'm just gonna. Yeah. Put, I think you guys will appreciate it. I read a long t- a while ago that someone said about Eddie Guerrero. He wrestles bigger than he is. Eddie the Giant is what they call him. And yeah. I, it, I always stuck with me because it's really accurate with how he wrestles. Yeah, no matter no who he wrestled, he wrestled like he was the same fucking height. No matter what. And, and this match really demonstrates how short Eddie was. Because DDP's six fucking five. Yeah. And Eddie's like a solid 5'8". But he wrestles yeah. big. Well, how many times did you it see does. him just grab DDP by the waist and pick him up? Take him over. Take and him take down. Him, yeah. 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 Yes, and I think that shows that the the brawler of EDP and then the, t- the skill. Here's my problem with this. It's not a problem, it's, but there's three things happening simultaneously in this match. You have the Eddie Guerrero GDP match happening at the exact same time. You also have uh, the Nick Patrick storyline happening through this match of is he an NWO yeah. guy? Is he a heel referee? Is his neck hurt? How slow are the counts? And so at the same time, while both of these things are happening, we're supposed to split our difference. You have Bobby Heenan. Tony Schiavone and Dusty Rhodes fucking having a meltdown all over commentary on this match. Like, like the idea is they all held their shit together during Rey Mysterio and Dean Malenko, but that it's match is like five minutes too long, yeah. and they're out. They're out it's of time for each other. Started going yeah. off the rails. Yeah, yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, I had uh, in my notes here. I just said there were a lot of long two counts mm-hmm. in this match. And what's great is this is when they were really starting to like they were really calling it out. He's yeah. like, you know, it was like what well, they one two. Three, two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nick Patrick was a big deal on this show, and it was. I mean, I, I'm sure, and I'm sure it had been done in the in the regional territory days. But to watch like a heel uh, ref just really ham it up, yeah, it was we fantastic. Haven't, we haven't had that because well, you can't do it too many times. You know, it, it, yeah, but, it, it has to yeah. be very special. And, and right. in wrestling, when you nail something as hard as you nail it, as about as good as an angle can go, it doesn't do you any justice to do that again while the people who would remember it are still alive. Like, and that's why we haven't really had that. And to your point, Mac, there's, I think, the biggest reason why we no one's really done it since, or at least that I know of successfully, is that the the perfect storm of there's a takeover there's some secret money someone's being paid off is he really hurt it made perfect sense a ref being an evil ref for the sake of being an evil ref doesn't make sense Danny but Davis. being paid off makes total fucking it sense it does and also it's the person pulling I'm trying to cut off one last thing but Nick Patrick is the son of Jody Hamilton the mm-hmm. mass destroyer so like this is he's a second generation wrestler he was a wrestler himself so this isn't like you picked a referee and taught him how to sell you had a wrestler who became a referee and it was the, it was the right thing at the right time in an era a guy came up in southern wrestling where they did heel wrestling and heel ref shit all the time yeah it was um Patrick was my was my MVP of the pay-per-view, right? I think we kind of even mentioned that before we started recording. I I just loved how that unfolded throughout the show because, you know, again, it, it was a great, great piece of storytelling because you start to hint at it here. 
And then as he has two more matches, I think, after this, baby. I believe so. And uh, it just gets exceedingly more and more exaggerated, exaggerated with it. And uh, the shirt gets more unbuttoned. Yeah. The shirt gets more unbuttoned. <laughs> he can't count time, to three because of his neck. Every but single time, one and two is fine. It's so every single good. time he'd go, <laughs> he just kept grabbing. I mean, it was so fucking it's perfect. So perfect, it was. And the match is uh, is obviously rolling towards something special, but alas. Eddie Guerrero gets hurt at the end of the match. Uh, we've, I've shared before when we were researching this episode, the DDP has posted that he Eddie gets hurt on the dive outside. Uh, they try to keep it going. They can't. And oh, the knee. On the knees yeah. outside. And, well, they, um, they call that. Mm-hmm. They said that when he hit. Because when you, you, when you see him jump and you see him land, you see Eddie immediately react like, oh, fuck. Well, Eddie has had a history of, of knee problems, and that's yeah. a, no doubt that he knew it was bad. Tried to work through it, couldn't. So he calls Diamond Cutter, DDP, in the middle of the heat. So basically kind of squashes Eddie a little yes. bit. But but it's but it was necessary because no doubt whatever they had planned was going to fuck Eddie up worse than taking the Diamond Cutter. Yeah. What happened to him in that? What was the... What was the result? Nothing major. He was back a couple of months later, but he was still because he, he ends up winning the U.S. Championship at Starcade three months later from DDP. Okay. It was weird watching a, a a not quite fully evolved Diamond Cutter. Yeah, he was still yeah. still working on that. It was just oh, sort of like yeah, I'm going to do but, it. It was sort of lackluster. But I don't yeah. think Eddie didn't want to take the bump straight up because no, he didn't yeah. know where where how bad he was hurt. So well, it was like two as protected as he could. It's funny too because in the commentary of the match, there you know Heenan's talking about how oh look he's doing these things to set him up. For the diamond cutter, and I and I was thinking to myself like I don't remember the diamond cutter ever having me set up. It was always like out of nowhere, you mm-hmm. know. Once he finally like got one it, mistake, that's yeah. all yeah. it takes. Yeah, and then uh, so yeah, so it, they, the commentators try to cover for it, but all, it's apparent to everybody that uh, Eddie's hurt, and you know they try to get out of town about as fast as they can. Not show Eddie's not, but no, he was back on the road in two and a half months, and by Star Cadence of December, he actually wins the vacant U.S. title. So whatever it was. Wasn't serious, but it was enough to, to shock them. Uh, yeah. But anyway, I love the match up to the finish. I think it was great, but because of the Nick Patrick storyline and the commentators, I think it took away from the the match. So I gave this thing um, I rated it two point five non licensed music out of five. <laughs> I I will give it the one bump to a three point five because as Diamond Dallas Page is leaving the ring, he has the ring and looks into the camera and says, "I am the Lord." Of the ring, and my nipples are still hard. I think that moment is very cut fucking glass with a fucking precious. right. Absolutely. Stop, <clears throat> All stop right, poking me with him. I can't. Help Gentlemen, this. it isn't a Halloween Havoc show unless we have a ridiculously long backstage segment where someone has to give something away because Slim Jim ordered them to, <laughs> and we're backstage with the Macho Man Randy Savage, and there is uh, he's just absolutely being pure cocaine about this. It is fucking incredible. And it's the first time yeah. in the night where I'm just fucking. I wish Randy Savage was like the president for life. <laughs> so can every day with this shit, it's gotta go with Hoku getting in every yeah. And he just starts going off. What are you looking at? He was on some shit that night. He was, he he was, was feeling something. He was he was talking to people that were even there. <laughs> looking there. How you doing? Good to see you. Anyway, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? It's just, like, dude. Well, what's great is that, like... (laughs) (laughs) Macho Man has broken Dave McDonald. I repeat. (laughs) Macho Man has broken Dave McDonald. (laughs) 
Pass the point of no return. <laughs> it's because I didn't think about the cookies. <laughs> <laughs> it, should, it all lines so up now. The dots just got connected. <laughs> That's my only line here. Is it? Let me read you my whole lineup. It isn't Halloween unless they give something away. Uh, and now it's this time it's Savage being absolutely pure cocaine about it. That's my only right of this whole I'm, segment. I'm, I'm laughing so hard about it. I'm crying because <laughs> because I'm connecting the dots that clearly. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit. This is fantastic. I can't even say it. Clearly. Take your time, clearly. man. Because clearly. <laughs> You could tell before he took the cocaine that somebody told him you have to use your Slim Jim phrases as you're doing the giveaway. Because every time he just kept trying to say snap into a Slim Jim or I'm snapping into it, he just kept saying it over and over and over again because that's the only thing he could remember in his mind. He did have it on his jacket and he his did. And his pants, too. His pants. Like, because they, as, like, when they give away the fucking the monster truck, he just kept saying like four times, look, I snapped it. I snapped into it, you know, like making sure that he was fucking checking the boxes <laughs> so that check cleared from Slim Jim. But yes, when he like, like he gets to the thing, and I'm like, oh, he's gonna reach in. He's like, no, he like pulls the top part of the thing off. And he goes, look, I snapped into it. Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> and I just, I just didn't connect the cocaine until just now, and that fucking brother. Ended you me. almost always have to connect cocaine uh, with Macho uh, Man. Yeah. <laughs> no one pulled off cocaine and spiced meat sticks oh, like Randy Savage did. Yeah. Oh, that, that makes them good. Rare combination. Who, who, what the fuck is him gonna do with a fucking monster truck? I think the biggest question is: Does that lady in Michigan still have this fucking monster truck? <laughs> I fucking truck? hope so. Oh if you're God. listening to this and you have wound up with the Randy Savage Halloween Havoc 1996 Slim Jim monster truck, call me. Or, or if you know where it is, yes. Everyone has. A, where are they now? Yeah. The monster truck. <laughs> where are they Let us know. What's well, great is like later in the pay per view, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit when Ma- when Macho oh when they pull it out when they pull out the monster yeah. truck and like oh it's the monster truck they're giving away and then like somebody goes wait no no it's not it's not it's a different one <laughs> yeah, we're gonna spend way less like, money on that no, one no baby that, you you can't give that one away baby <laughs> that's right man. <laughs> he's like wait no okay Miranda Savage on that heavyweight title and all <laughs> then we cut back uh, you wheel after this that that, that uh, amazing of a segment we cut backstage again. Where Chris Jericho is there plugging WCWWrestling.com, which I believe is the earliest internet reference on any of our shows we've gotten so far. They did it on 98 with WWF.com, but this is in 96. They're plugging the internet. Uh, and Jericho is back there with someone I could only... Uh, <laughs> Transcribing his fucking promo. Yeah. yeah. Fucking love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking incredible. Like Someone's like, go out there and find me a nerd who can type. He's going to be on TV with Jericho. And like, that's exactly what I saw a fucking it. Netscape and CompuServe, and I fucking yeah, lost no, my dude, shit. Netscape made me lose it. Yeah, it's like Angel Fire and Blake House <laughs> is going to happen here. Like, they like, couldn't have found... Permission. Like, they couldn't have found a more stereotypical person to be working computer than the person they had working the computer <laughs> next to <laughs> Jericho. It was perfect. Did anybody try to go to the website? No. no. I did. Well, they're taking it to WWE. It was really dark. Oh, okay, I was going to say, yeah. it took it to a dark place. No, it's... The dark place. what you think it is anymore. Yeah, no, it it, uh, it redirected like, your, the, like the sites that aren't like. Did your internet anymore. browser shrunk as Fu Manchu would go? <laughs> yeah, that's not gonna work for me, brother. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Wait, did, wait, did the computer? 
yep. just like execute his fucking creative control on his ass. <laughs> yes. God damn it, man. Oh, uh, it's gonna do a work oh. shoot with Vince Russo after that. Speaking about work shoots and Vince Russo, Jeff Jarrett <laughs> is gonna that face off out. against the Giant uh, in a match that was not not terrible. Uh, I I really still don't like Jeff Jarrett's gimmick in WCW. I don't like the fucking music. It was fucking terrible. I don't oh. like his fucking costume. It was fucking terrible. Now, see, his costume was designed to get heat as a heel. The fucking Chippendale, like oh like God, Venetian blinds it. outfit. Hated it's it. terrible. So as a heel, it makes sense. But he's like a pseudo baby face here, so you couldn't... Uh, and then later in the show, he comes out to, to rescue Monko uh, uh, and Benoit, and he's just in like a white cut-off t-shirt and a p- hair pulled back in a yeah. ponytail, and he looks way more of a baby face than yep. he did earlier in the night. Yep. See, before you get to talk about this, I have to talk about Giant. I have to talk about Mr. Paul White, because everything on Paul White is pretty much shaved down at this point. You can <laughs> see that he's got the perfectly just five o'clock shadow like mane on his chest at mm-hmm. this point. But they forgot that he also needed to shave his unibrow. That was going on at this point it's in time. So bad. And that was my very first note about this: is that his unibrow is on point, but his promo is not. No. Because you know Jeff Jarrett, I'm going to make sure that I get you, and I'm going to slam you right in the middle. And I'm Hold like, on. The fuck? That's what I hear. No, yeah. Uh, now, in all due fairness, the giant is. A year in his pro career. I don't give oh, a wow. fuck. It's one year. <laughs> so considering what he can do in the ring, that some people couldn't do after many years, cool. But why on earth would you have the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase out there and then decide to take the microphone away from him to give to the, to the seven-foot pubescent boy <laughs> that's just shouting into the microphone slim, really shouting slim paul white <laughs> right at this yeah, point yeah and yeah i mean the giant's gonna stick jared all over the place he's gonna stick him here and he's gonna stick him there and he's gonna take him to the glue factory so everything was just so uh, I, have a, I have a note i call him the twig show <laughs> <laughs> i see what you did there yeah, like uh, thank you i appreciate twig it shared a big show um I, yeah I, we also got the introdu- introduction of the NWO entranceway. We, we did. Uh, Just because in kayfabe, they weren't working for WCW. They, the NWO was their own thing. Uh, so they had to have their own entrance. They had to be escorted in and out via security. And Ted DiBiase was the mouthpiece. Doing the intros for them because no one would pay for the ring announcer wasn't supposed to. Yep. That actual idea, though cool for a minute... It, I can see why it would get tiresome, and it eventually didn't make it out of 96 before they started using yeah. the entrance way. But, you know, and, and, and all of that being said, there was such a, a major difference between DiBiase being the mouthpiece, and then even, like, when Hogan was trying to cut his promo before it went out, yeah. I was like, oh, just give the mic back to DiBiase. DiBiase please. knows what he's doing. That's, yeah. that's all he's doing. He's not bumping. He can't bump. So, yeah. like, like, he's just talking, right. getting everybody over. Yeah, I think it was. This was um, what a weird snapshot of 1996. I think it's the, probably the most best thing this match does because you have Paul White starting a year in. One year ago, he was raping Hulk Hogan in the main event of the pay per view, and now he's defending a U.S. championship, even though he's not the U.S. champion. Did he Stole did it. he rape him in the middle of the ring? Like really? Yeah, straight up. Like just double penetration. There was a yeah. yeti involved. There was a yeti. I, I did hear about the yeti. Yes, I did. Yeah, there was just straight dry humming. After after being murdered and coming back yes. from the dead. Let's he not did, forget he that. He did go off a building. One year earlier, he was dead. 
And then yeah. that's if they come up, you know. Hogan Hogan committed murder, yeah. but didn't. With a monster truck. There, there's a, a great comedian who had passed away several years ago. His name's Robert Schimmel. I've, I've often talked to you guys about Robert Schimmel. I'm sure I've played one of his comedy specials. But he was talking about wrestling. He's like, you know that, that fake wrestling? He's like, you know, in, in wrestling, they should let the... the, the the winner rape the loser in the middle of the ring. <laughs> oh he's like, and that because you know, because then sometimes someone's gonna be fighting. For I think real. they make websites <laughs> about that. But he's like, yeah, then sometimes like somebody's gonna be fighting for real. So as you said that, <laughs> all I just real. see is like giant, like grabbing Hogan as he's like clawing at the ring. <laughs> the ring. Just, no, just, no brother, no, <laughs> that's not gonna work <laughs> for me, brother. <laughs> work for me. So uh, yeah, so Jeff Jarrett. Anyone who so decides to put that in the rule thirty four incognito browser. <laughs> Don't do it on your work. I would say solid match. David and Goliath match was it was good for what it was. Uh, Jeff Jarrett is always is just a strong performer, hyper athletic in this across the board. He was was getting up. He drop kicked the giant on a chin. Like he ran all the way oh, up to the really, chin with that drop kick. Yeah, sure. That was, that was yeah. huge ops on yeah, that. That those kicks a lot. were those kicks. Well, you know, you know, the, another thing I noted here is just like you know, you saw Jarrett trying to get a hold on on Giant, and I just keep wanting to call him Show, obviously, but like it looked like a child on his father's back during a piggyback ride. Yeah, like, that was like it was such a strange visual to see him do that, and also trying to put the Giant into a figure four. Yeah. Like, his legs were far too big for that. On the outside. Yeah. So even if you did manage to get it in there, how are you going to get the submission? It would have taken you the 10 count to do... I don't even know. No. K-Fave, this match was all over the place. He put him in the figure four, and then Giant just kind of leans over and chokes him. Yep. Yep. And then the whole match, again, it's just like the... And this is going to be a theme as the night goes on. You have your match going on, but then there's the story around the match, which is distracting from the match. And then you've got the commentators just not paying attention to the match. So you got Flair just hobbles his ass around the whole time, loses his mind, ultimately distracts and causes the end of the match. Meanwhile, Bobby the Brain Heenan and Dusty Rhodes continue their streak, <laughs> three out of three, of just fucking taking over a match, babbling about inane bullshit. So you get to the idea, Flair low blows giant for the DQ. But who really cares? You're kind of grateful it's over, so we can get on to the next yeah, thing. I'm yes. surprised it went as long as it did. How did how did Flair not break his hand on those giant nuts? A long time ago, uh, there was an interview of Paul White. Uh, uh, it was like Conan or Jay Leno or something, and they were talking about the size of his penis. And the viewers or listeners can't see what I want to do, but he mm. does this when inquired about how big his dick was. Small. Yeah, that's what. Now that's small. With our hands, with his hands. <laughs> yeah. But here, and I'll just say this, uh, and one of the things that you can't believe the phrase is going to come out of my mouth, but she'd verify that she says this. I remember it was Backlash 99 or 2000, and I had the pay-per-view at my house, and my mom uh, was watching it with us, and this is when Big Show was doing that gimmick where he was impersonating other wrestlers, mm-hmm. and so he came out as the showster, the Hulk Hogan, and he was wearing the yellow trunks and was not wearing a cup, so the outline of his penis was clearly visible. And my mother says, just randomly, and I've never been able to forget that she turns, you know, if he has a normal man's penis, it's going to look small in his body. And I was like, okay, mom. <laughs> well, thanks for that. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for the information. So thanks. even if he's like... That's he's packing, forever burned in there now. Yes, yeah, right, exactly. So even if he's packing the average roll of quarters, it's going to look like a stack of dimes because of the body that it's being yes. compared to. Wait, so on the on the flip side of that, if we're talking about a very small human who has an average size penis, it's going to look, look like massive they're carrying, yeah, on them? It's going to look like they got a tube sock full of fucking dinner rolls. Okay. Yeah. And then there's Pete Davidson. So Chris He's Jericho versus Six. Yeah. <laughs> 
Let's talk about the next match. Wait, I just want to rate my this match here. I yes. gave it a two. That's double F, double U, double C, double K, double S. Fucks out of five. All right, that's I fair. Like that. I would have also. I think ex- we should put everything on a fucking <laughs> scale like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> I would have also accepted Ric Flair paychecks mm. as he was just cashing in. He's just trying to get, get another pay-per-view. Guaranteed yeah. money, baby. Guaranteed Our second money. straight pay-per-view that we've been covering in wrestling where Ric Flair is just not working. But no. he did not blade on this. No. no. At least he didn't He didn't come out wearing his wrestling gear. No. You know. Ric Flair's suit is his wrestling gear. It is in a lot of ways. It's a blazer that he's going to elbow drop. Yeah. yeah. He can style and profile in that. Hey, so uh, it's a two-parter. We talked about this. We are supposed to avoid this. Yeah, we... We haven't been together for a, a little while, so I figured this would happen. Yeah. The last Halloween Havoc is its own season, so how did you fucking think this was going to be one Because episode? we're adults and we know what we're doing, but apparently we don't know we what we're don't doing. Know. What about There was a structure. There was a plan. that we know what we're doing. All we had to do was stick to the plan. The plan always Motherfuckers can't do that. Every time. Macho Man had snap into it 55,000 times all over his suit. What did you think we weren't going to talk about that? I was trying to avoid it. Well, we're going to dump cocaine like him. Mm. Well, you know, we get a little little bit of, uh, of, uh, you know, cliffhanger action. Does Macho Man do cocaine in the main event? (laughs) Proper dead center of the ring. Does he come out, knock Hulk Hogan out, and do a flying line off of his naked buttocks in the middle of the ring? Imagine, like, watching Macho Man, like, land an elbow, and this while he's sitting there just. (laughs) That'd be incredible. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Find out if that happens as we bring you part two. Check this out. They're going to hate me. Next week. Wait, next week? Next week. I'm going to make everyone wait a whole week. A whole week? Yeah, let me just be real for a second. Let me just inside baseball. Every time I do these two, three, four parters and post them all on the same day, we don't get the kind of viewership that I want. So, you know, just like like your teacher, I'm going to make you wait for it. I'm going to make you want it. I'm going to make you need it. And then when you're in my van. Then I'll give it to you late next week. Ladies and gentlemen, how many parts is this going to be? Is it'll be a two-parter? Will it be a three-parter? Will it be a four-parter? Could be the rare five-parter. I'll see you next week. Bye. Ah.